No, how are you pronouncing it? Frissel. Ah, uh, no, that's that's it's uh, that's that's a common mispronunciation, but it's Frizzell. Frizzell. Okay. Yeah. Bob Frizzell. Frizzell. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Well. All right, we just went live. We're live now with Mr. Bob Frizzell, author of Nothing in This Book is True, but it's exactly how things are. Um, I love this book, Bob. It was it was amazing. You packed a lot in here, a lot of knowledge in a little book. Yeah, well, uh, it's interesting that you showed me a cover of, uh, of, of the edition that you did because uh, uh, just last June, I've come out with with this one. This is the 25th anniversary edition, and and uh, it uh, really what it is is a brand new book, and so uh, and so the the edition that that you're holding up there is uh, well, it's got the basic stuff in it, you know, about the uh, the Earth history and the sacred geometry. The whole point is to show the unity of life that uh, that really. Uh, what we are is, and what the universe is, is holographic. And uh, what I mean by holographic is, is that everything and every part of the universe, including you and you and me, are a smaller version of the whole. Uh, we know if you take a hologram, you can cut it into, say, four equal pieces, or you can cut it into a thousand pieces if you want to. And you could shine a laser through any one of those pieces that you cut off, and you would get a smaller version of the whole. And so, you know, the whole, the really, the bottom line in all of that is to, in in in, no matter which edition of my book you're looking at, <laughs> the bottom line really is to prepare us for the change that not only are coming, the changes that we're deeply involved in right now, that's going to lead to nothing less than the ascension of the planet, and including as many who are ready to go. Uh, um, without jumping all over the place right now, I just will say that there is a window of opportunity where the possibility does exist, however remote, that everybody can can ascend can ascend together, and uh, and most certainly that's the that that is the ideal option but uh it's 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 very difficult i don't know if it's impossible but i'd say it's virtually impossible to even speak of ascension or anything beyond five sense re reality if you don't know who you are right and, right and and so you don't know who you are if you don't know that you're holograph a holographic uh, version of the whole smaller version of the whole and uh, I'd say that that is kind of like bottom line point number one that I'm trying to get at in, in, in these books. Now I know I've learned a lot in 25 years. And so in this version of the book, uh, it, it, it really is a brand new book, like I said earlier, Scott, but uh, uh, one of the tricks I've learned is that uh, in, in reading you know, many, many different books is that Authors who have come out with multiple versions of what they have to say, uh, so much of the new book just reiterates what they've already said in previous books, but they, you know, maybe put a little different turn or a little different twist on it like that. And then maybe as little as 10% or so is, is brand new material, yet it's considered to be a new book and, and 
and and good books for the most part. I mean, you know, well-known authors do this. So what I did with the 25th anniversary edition of the book was uh, a part of me is thinking, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> so so uh, I realized that, you know, this thing has for well, for many, many years now, been an underground classic, spiritual classic. And, uh, and uh, it's got a lot of really, really good points in it. So I wanted to keep what was good, just, you know, remembering what many other authors have done and uh, rephrasing it a little bit, stuff like that. Uh, but then the new part has 10 completely new chapters. And so many of the chapters are, are virtually total rewrites of the original version that uh, uh, without question, it is, it is a new book. So if you haven't gotten a hold of this one yet, well, you're in for a real treat, especially considering that you like the original version. So uh, this is the second interview that I've done in the past year. This, the book came out June 25th of 19, I mean, 2019. And so it's been almost a year right now. And this will be the second interview I've done with a guy who is, uh, who, who is still uh, uh, into, into the old version. So this will be fun. Okay, cool. I, yeah, I didn't know there was a new version. So I'm oh, now you know. So uh, I actually found out about your book from like a suggested reading list from 1994 put out by the band Tool. Tool, yeah. So um, I'm sure... I guess you get that connection a lot, huh? Oh, I have so many Tool fans who have read my books and who have come to my workshops. And uh, and uh, uh, back in 03, 2003, I was invited to be a guest speaker at a convention for Tool fans. The band wasn't there, but it was just, you know, a convention for Tool fans. And it was in August in Las Vegas. And uh, you know, 114 degrees outside and that sort of thing. But inside, it was really, really great. So I sp spent the weekend hanging out with Tool fans and uh, and just realizing, recognizing clearly that we have so much in common. Uh, it was a great, it was a great time. And yeah, um, so many Tool fans reading my books, coming to my workshops. I'm very, very grateful to the band Tool. That's one of the one of the prime movers and shakers that put my book really, you know, and the on, onto center stage. So thank you very much, Tool. Um, <laughs> and it's still reaping dividends to this day. Apparently, I, I'm, I, and I'm hoping that I can help push that a little bit too with this, uh, with this interview, this podcast. Yeah, well, I think you can. So, so it's great, great to be here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate thank you, it. Uh, thank you for doing this. Um, I'm so amazed that you uh, were willing to do this with me. Well, Scott, I mean, when you get to talk about your favorite things and uh, uh, have fun doing it, I mean, come on. It's, yeah. uh, I, I love, you would too, doing doing interviews with people who have read your book, love your book and are asking you to, you gotta, I'm gonna say no? No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you heard it here first, everybody. If, if you have a podcast, Mr. Frizzell would love to be on it and talk to you about uh, his book. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think it is about your book? I know you have other books too um, yeah. in, the, in this series. What do you think it is about your work that inspires creators such as Tool and myself? Well, it's, uh, 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 that's, that's an interesting question. I just kind of have to mull that one over for a bit. What is it? You know, I, what's, what's coming to me as a, as a, as a 
possible answer here or a possible response is uh, how I was so, oh goodness sakes, just hooked when I first discovered spirituality. And it was totally by accident, by the way. Goodness sakes, I was a professional bowler at the time. And uh, in, in the never ending attempt to be the very, very best bowler that I could be, uh, I realized that, you know, if I wanted to compete on a steady basis with the world's, with the world's best, I had better find out a way or figure out a way to be calm and cool and collected more so than I was in pressure situations. That was the biggest difference between me and the top professionals. And so I had a good friend at the time uh, and I was just talking to him casually, just explaining, you know, telling him, you know, this is the deal for me. What, and just kind of like wondering out loud, what do I do here? And uh, he had never ever mentioned anything in spiritual terms to me before, but he says, you know what? There's a book that you gotta read. Uh, it's a, it was a book by an author by the name of Alan Watts. And the name of the book was literally the book, the subtitle being on the taboo against knowing who you are. And so I said, okay, and I went out and I got that book. And the moment I first opened it up, I was totally hooked. I was totally captivated. And uh, I had no idea what this book was about, spirituality or, you know, on the taboo against knowing who you are. Uh, but in, in, in taking a good look at it, I was not only addicted to the book, it followed me everywhere. I wouldn't don't leave home without it was my motto. <laughs> and uh, and uh, because something was awakening within me, deep down beginning to resonate that, you know, I intuitively knew it was always there, but as something that I had learned through conditioning, you know, becoming an adult and all that to deeply bury it. So right, it was right. it was reawakening. And that's the sense that I get. I mean, the feedback that I've had uh, over 25 years is extraordinary. Goodness sakes, uh, in, in uh, the first edition's heyday, uh, it was actually, it came out in August of 1994. And that was before I knew, you know, I didn't have, I didn't even have a computer back then. I didn't have a website, certainly not even a computer. And, and so the mail I was getting was literally snail mail to the tune of at least 50, 50 handwritten letters per week, all of them telling me, uh, you know, just thank you so much. They were just thrilled. And in the essence, the common message was this spiritual awakening was occurring within them. Something deep down was awakening, was resonating. Well, I understood exactly what they were talking about because that's exactly what happened to me. And here's the other thing, Scott, uh, as being a, from being a professional bowler, I had a total burning desire. I mean, I 100% total commitment to be the very best that I could be. And I wasn't going to stop. I wasn't going to be stopped by the stuff that normally stops people. I was just going to use that to my advantage, find a way and, and to keep going. So I unknowingly, unwittingly had the entrance requirement. And that's this total burning desire. Gee, I thought everybody must have it, you know, don't, don't you? You know, I find out later, of course, most people don't, don't even know what the heck it is. Um, for most people, it's, you know, I'll try it if it doesn't get too bad. <laughs> the moment a push comes to shove, I'm gone, buddy. Well, that's, you know, the saying when the, when the going gets tough, you know, the rest of that one. Right. 
Yeah, so uh, so I had this, uh, you know, it's it's like because I had this burning desire, I just kept going with my spiritual endeavors. And, uh, and uh, what began to happen was totally magic. Because I was totally committed, uh, people started to crawl out, crawl out of the woodwork. And maybe I would only be in their presence for as little as five minutes or so. Some became good friends, others in just a few moments. But whatever it was, they gave me what I needed in that moment to keep going further and further down the pathway. And that just kept going and going and going until it just kept getting better and better and better. Uh, it culminated, well, I wouldn't say culminated, but it came to a serious peak you probably know this book better than I do because that's in the first chapter where I'm talking about that it was, I think it was, it was January of 1991. I'm forgetting, was it 1990 or 91? I think it was 91 during the, the height of the Iraqi, the Gulf War and all that nonsense. Uh, yeah, and, January 91. Yes. Sir. Yeah. Okay. And, and so, and so that's when I began having experiences that you just, you know, you just can't make that stuff up. And, um, and uh, then that kept growing until it just reached a crescendo and I just had to just keep going. And magically, I was continually led to whatever, whatever it might be that, that comes next. Well, in 1992, and directly out of this January 1991 experience, directly out of that, I linked up with a group of like-minded people and we would meet, uh, you know, an average of maybe once or twice a month. And uh, we would just share that which was important to us, ranging from UFOs, the secret government, to just straight spiritual stuff, to all of that stuff. Uh, nothing was off limits for us because there is a common thread that moves through all of it once you begin to link it all together. Right. And, and so... Uh, then uh, you might recall, I think it was in chapter one of the book, I print this copy of this letter in the book that I received from one of the members of this group telling about a workshop that, that would be presented that wasn't even a live workshop, it was a video workshop. And she goes into some of the details in that letter as to what this was to be about that it was basically fundamental for our ascension process. And uh, and I knew exactly what she was talking about. And she was talking about this guy named Thoth, who was 50, 52,000 years old and still alive. That didn't freak me out. I was well aware of that sort of phenomenon. And, uh, you know, I just knew in an instant, I've got to be there. And that's where I uh, first met Drunvalo Melchizedek, not in person, but on video. And that led me to... Uh, to uh, get a set of those videos that we were watching. And uh, I made a decision upon seeing it. Probably I made the decision about five minutes into the first video. And that decision was, I wanna know what this guy knows. I, I wanna be the master of what he's talking about. Um, I made a similar decision four years earlier, uh, which uh, led me to master the technique that I call breath alchemy. And those are probably the two most important decisions, bar none, that I've ever made in my lifetime. Because had none of that happened, you and I would not be having this conversation today. And I certainly never would have been, uh, been asked to write a book, which is also what happened. So 
kind of a long-winded answer. I almost <laughs> forgot the question, <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, that's my response. It's just it's just that connection, and I, I see what you're saying too, because it is once once you start going down that spiritual path, it's just like a domino effect, and and you start seeing the synchronicity in, in everything. Like you said, the the thread just weaves in it all. Um, and it's sort of amazing. One thing about that too is once you become awake to it, if you deny it, if you, if you kind of push against it, resist against it, bad things tend to happen to you. Yeah. It, uh, you can't, uh, you, you can't stay away from it. I mean, there really is no turning back. You can pretend right. for a while that you're turning back but it's not going to work as you say bad things are going to start to happen to you right yeah, right you're uh the universe is going to let you know you know and 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 it likes to as best it can give you a gentle nudge but if that doesn't work and if you keep turning your back and continue to resist don't be too surprised if you get hit with a sledgehammer and uh you know it's called a wake-up call <laughs> yeah it's called hey, that buddy. Yeah, yeah you're you're you can't turn away from this path you gotta you gotta keep going and and then that combined with the enormously accelerated times that we are in it's like wally holy cow it's i mean you you know you get an accelerated education in very short order here if you just stay on purpose so um fantastic the times uh, that we're in and the opportunities that are presenting themselves. Yeah. And you know, uh, I like, I, I like that you brought that up because you have uh, the one part in your book where you talk about affirmations and you talk about turning a negative situation in a positive situation. I'm, yeah. I'm grateful for this because it gives me the opportunity to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And furthermore, I, 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 uh, I, I speak of, well, I do it much more succinctly and clearly in, in, in this edition that I did 25 years ago. But the basic idea is that uh, there is a universal principle. There are tons of universal principles that if you learn to move with the universal principles, then you're moving with the flow of life. And one of the basic universal principles is, is whatever you resist will persist. You're only gonna get more of what you don't want if you try and go like that to life. So there's an enormous practical benefit in learning to embrace life, in learning to allow yourself to be in a context of acceptance with what is and what is in, in, in the moment. In the moment is only the only thing that's, that's real anyway too. But there's another very, very couple of very powerful principles that, that, uh, that are driving that. And one being that uh, the darkness, well, just, you know, put it to you this way and ask you what's on the surface going to sound like a stupid question. You know, just imagine, Scott, that you go into a room that's totally darkened. You can't see a thing, yet you know where the light switch is. Well, what happens to the darkness the moment you flip on the light switch? Yeah, it, it dissipates. It, the it darkness cannot exist in the presence of light. And that is literally a universal principle that the darkness gets, gets transmuted in, in the presence of light, the darkness gets transmuted into itself, namely the light. And so contained within each and every one of us, and the affirmations principle is one way of doing that, but that's working more directly with the mind, you know, transforming our subconscious belief systems on a, on a conceptual level. But an even more direct and useful way of doing that is learning how to transmute the energy. 
learning how to take the darkness within you that you and I have been habitually conditioned to try and push away from ourselves. In, in so doing, we compartmentalize ourselves. So there's a part of us that we will accept, but there's all, all that stuff that we don't like and don't want to deal with. And so we are so thoroughly conditioned to want to feel good. And so we all want to feel good. And so in the absence of a conscious-minded technique, what we all resort to is suppression. Meaning right. you find a way to distance yourself from the corresponding unpleasant feelings in your body that feel yucky. Why? Because you're resisting them, because you're making them wrong. You're trying to push them away. Right. And so the body becomes a huge reservoir of stuck suppressed energy that, uh, you know, just feels bad. And most people, therefore, are not in their bodies and very proficient at trying to suppress, to distance themselves away from these unpleasant feelings. And that's where compulsive behavior and addictive behavior stems from also. But the universal principle that says that in the presence of the, of the light, the darkness transmutes into itself and becomes the light, then as we learn that if we can learn to make peace with the stuck energy rather than to resist it, rather than to fight it, we have contained within us, it's innate ability to transform the darkness within us into the light. That's the essence of the breath alchemy technique that I, that I teach. Uh, so, um, uh, and, and to me, that's what true transformation is. If you were to ask me, Bob, what's a definition of, uh, of transformation? You could ask me right now, Scott, if you want to. You could say, Bob, what's transformation? <laughs> uh, what's the definition of transformation? Oh, thank you Mr. for Mr. asking. Mr. Frizzell. Yes, thank you so much for asking. Well, it's, it's, develop, it's, it's transforming your ability to experience living. So the situations that you've been trying to change, i.e. you've been making them wrong and resisting them, those situations combined with situations that you've been putting up with, still making wrong and resisting, all that stuff clears up just in the process of life itself, because you've learned how to take the darkness within you and transmute it into the light, literally a transformation of energy. And so another way of looking at why that works and that I go into great detail in the, in the new book here, didn't talk about it all in the old book because I don't think I fully understood it back then. But the, the, um, the whole idea being that, uh, you know, what, what in, 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 in the final analysis, what this universe is, waveform universe is, I just said it, it's waveform. And waveform is vibration. And within right. vibration or waveform contains massive amounts, literally infinite amounts of amounts of intelligent energy, because, because it's all connected to source. It's all holographic. And any part of it is inseparable from the source. So it's all source energy. And so and so the body really is a holographic illusion. It's a, just a holographic projection of our consciousness. It appears right. to be real, but it's not. It's just light. It's just energy. Right. And, it's uh, a reflection. Yeah, we create it into reality. So it gives us, you know, in third density here, something to play with, you know, uh, the right. illusion of something outside of ourselves. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Because okay. the, the idea is that, like, for lack of a better term, God got bored 
with uh, being all knowing and, and alone. So it had to create these different fractal, it had to fractalize, like you said, uh, and then that's when it comes into play. We, we don't know who we are. Um, it becomes yeah. a game of figuring it out. That's very well said. It's, that's exactly right. Uh, because there, there was a period when we were in full realization of our true nature. And we were just kind of like spoiled rich kids, you know, just right. nothing, nothing was happening. And right, so right. what we had to do was create a game create a game that Alan Watts calls the game of hide and seek, yep. where you hide yourself in yourself and pretend that you don't know who you are. Yep. <laughs> and so I, you create I love Alan Watts. I love Alan Watts. For you to bring up Alan Watts, that makes my day. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I learned from the book. And, uh, and uh, yeah, Alan Watts, good stuff. So uh, what, what I was, uh, I guess, getting to, uh, Scott, is that really uh, the body is a holographic, uh, illusory projection of our true nature I'm, and and the bottom line you know is that the body is just is just energy it's just it's just it's just waveform it's just vibration containing in virtually infinite amounts of intelligent information enough to build a body and keep it going and all of in all of that so and and we live in a culture that has been trained to treat just the symptoms i.e., you know, allopathic medicine and big pharma and all that stuff. But the body is just, again, a holographic projection of its base state. And its base state, if, if, you, if you go to the base state, what you're going to find is that the energy is all scrambled up. It, it's disharmonic. And so if you can learn to, uh, to you integrate the energy in the base state or harmonize it, then the body will respond because it's just a reflection of the base state, a holographic reflection. And so that's what promotes true healing. And- um, um, I think that's part of what helped Tool connect with your books so much, because I believe that they have an understanding of harmonics, frequencies, all these spiritual concepts that you talk about in your book and, and, and metaphysics and the occult, and they use their music and sound waves as a sort of therapy or a reminder. Yeah, well, I get along very well with musicians. I'm a music freak myself, not a musician, but I just I just listen to music very intently uh, every single day, sometimes for many many hours, and and so uh, it's this is an innate ability that we all have, and 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 a a, a great musician has got to have timing and rhythm and all of the rest of that, none of which comes from the mind. Yeah, you learn it conceptually, but you, you have to be able to let that go so you can be in the flow with your music, so you can be in the moment with it. And when you do that, you are now connecting into your innate intelligence, your connection to all that is, your connection to source through your higher self. So musicians, especially the, the, the really good ones, whether they know it or not, in the moment of performing their music are in not only totally in the moment, but in a totally enlightened state. Oh, 100%. I, yeah. I believe that musicians are like shamans. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Huh? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I think part of what um, I got into spirituality back in 2011, that's when I first started experimenting with psychedelics, things like that. Um, I kind of got out of it for a while um, and was not rewarded for it. And back in, back in 2018, I started doing stand-up comedy 
and I started getting back into psychedelics. I started studying metaphysics and the um, the occult, um, the mystical things, spirituality. And it seemed like it was the comedy that helped me uh, find that kind of like how the bowling helps you want to better yourself. But the more and more that I studied and created, the more and more that I realized there was this super just you can't ignore it, this connection between creation and spirituality. Um, And you say in your book that we're higher dimensional masters, spiritual beings, having a human experience here to co-create heaven on earth, um, which is a hermetic thing too. Um, We're we're God's brothers. God stepped off the stage with creation 90% done and left the rest in our hands. Yeah. Well, well, uh, in a more literal sense, we are God, uh, and and if people don't like the term God, call you know we are, we are we are one with all that is. We, yeah. Uh, it. Uh, the all. Uh, it's uh, but but it's you know it's it's just words, and and you can never know that with your mind. I mean, you can know it as a concept, but it only exists in the present moment. Right. And so it's only in the present moment where, you know, here again, the, the musician is in a state of total oneness, state of total unity, a state of total enlightenment. It's in the moment and only in the moment that it's available. So, yeah. Um, and I, that's, I, I feel it especially true because you uh, alluded to it earlier that the moment is the only thing that's real. The, the past, the past and the future are just concepts. This, this actual moment that you and I are experiencing right now is the only thing that I can really pinpoint as real. And even that I'm not so sure about. <laughs> yeah. Well, Eckhart Tolle would love this. So. <laughs> oh yeah. I like Eckhart Tolle. Uh, he has one quote that I really like. It's I've lived with many, I lived with many Zen masters, most of them cats. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I, currently live with two uh, Zen masters, Alfie and uh, Elsa. <laughs> so I totally relate to that, yeah. Yeah, do you see the um, the merit in that statement? Yeah, uh, because animals are totally in the moment. They only know the present moment. And uh, so they're not, uh, you know, they, 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 they do have conditioning, they, they do have fears. Our kitties can get freaked out uh, by something outside and, and, you know, just come running back in. So, so yes, they do have concerns, but, but still, they basically live in the moment. And what you get from them is real. There's no BS. There's no, there's no putting you on. There's no acts with, with them. It's very totally real and honest and accurate stuff. And so their love is unconditional and it's the real thing. It's and it's pure. a direct reflection back to you of what you're putting out to them. It's it's wonderful. I mean, could you imagine living on a planet without animals? No. Yeah. I mean, what a blessing that we have them. Oh yeah, my my dog is my life. My dog yeah. is my entire life. And Very he's like good. a little he's like a little Zen master for sure. Uh, well, I you know, they are great teachers. They're absolutely great teachers. And so my sense is that this is kind of like what Eckhart is 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 driving at when he when he makes a statement like that. And I, you know, obviously we both agree totally. So, um, I want to talk to you about a few more things, Mr. Frizzell, before. Uh, Call me Bob, please. I'm, Bob. Nobody calls me Mr. 
sorry it's that that uh, southern southern raised little boy still what's the color where were you raised? I, I was raised here in fredericksburg oh okay yes i've lived here most of my life uh-huh okay great yeah how, how about you uh you live in california now yeah, i live in california know? but i uh i was born in minnesota and i okay. grew up in north dakota and so moving to California was a was a major major change to me, and it was it was many years ago. But uh, but uh, I knew it was necessary. I knew it was absolutely necessary. I didn't necessarily know why, but it's it's I just it was an inner voice. It was an intuitive thing that yeah. just says you got to do it. And uh, and that was before my you know spiritual initiations, but I trusted it and I went with it and. Uh, really never looked back and so uh you know here again uh, that that was an essential move i would say again had i not made that move you and i would not be having this conversation and say that with a high degree of certainty so yeah yeah it's funny how you can look back on your life and see the domino effect of well if this didn't happen then that wouldn't happen and the butterfly effect is very real well, that's just it, Scott. I mean, there are no accidents. And the right. only the only reason that we tend to see, you know, uh, that there are things that are happening that shouldn't be happening and all that is because we're so totally mind-based. And the mind is polarized. It sees right. good and evil consciousness, meaning it's in a continual state of judgment. Oh, I like this. I don't like that. And, you know, that, that sort of thing. Well, then here again, the whole idea of God uh, becoming so bored that he she decides to create this game of forgetting who you are then we become our minds we become immersed in five sense reality thinking that's all there is and that's what's so and so obviously the greatest game in town is waking up and remembering who you are and you are not your mind you and i are not our minds and therefore we begin to step out of polarity and into unity and in the context of unity, you can you can be looking at the same event and you're going to see, even though it's the same, you know, same whatever going on, you're going to see it totally differently. You're going to see from the context of unity what appears from polarity to be two opposing agents, you know, uh, some force of darkness that's doing absolutely ev everything it can to keep you stuck in fear and limitation right. and the light within you doing everything it can to get you moving as quickly as possible. What we see is these opposing forces and polarity, but from unity, you begin to see that they're completely interconnected. They're just two differing aspects of the same thing and they're actually working together. They're serving as timing agents. And so once you begin to see that, then you begin to see the perfection in, in all that's happening, no matter how good it may seem. Right. And no matter how bad yeah. it may seem. And when you truly have an awakening to that, it'll, it will bring you to tears. It'll make you cry and laugh. It'll send you into <laughs> polarity crying and laughing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, what, what you used to be horribly stuck in, you can break down in hilarious laughter uh, when you, once, once you've integrated into, into wholeness, right. into unity. And then when and, you start seeing things that you before would uh, label as bad or happening to you, you start to see as they're just happening. They're, they just are. Um, I choose to perceive them as good or bad or happening to me or just happening. It's a function of polarity consciousness and being yeah. in, in being stuck in, 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 you know, being your mind. 
Um, sure, without question, what at the time was the worst thing that ever happened to me is obviously without question the best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, and, and, and what that was, was my bowling career came to a sudden salt, uh, halt when I injured my back, injured it severely in a, in a bowling tournament. And like a dummy, never ever having an injured back before, I just tried to play through it, suck it up, you know, and <laughs> it didn't work very well. So I hurt myself really, really bad. And bowling, couldn't even pick up a bowling ball, let alone throw it down the lane. And so um, I had to find a way to heal myself uh, because I was not going to go to a doctor. I was not even going to let a doctor look at my back. I'd heard too many horror stories of surgery and uh, people who spent the rest of their lives wishing they hadn't done that. Uh, chiropractors helped initially, but diminishing returns very quickly set in. And that left me with only one option, finding a way to heal myself. And what I quickly discovered was that I had to reinvest myself into my spiritual nature and really take a deep dive into it. And that combined with my burning desire. I was not gonna stop no matter how long it took, no matter how many hardships, no matter how many setbacks, I was gonna learn to use all of that to my advantage and not stop until I had found the way to heal my back. Well, I took what had transformed what seemed like an impossible situation. I mean, there's no way this could be healed, right? And I'm so proud to say that for many years now, I've been totally and completely healed to the point to like where it never, ever occurred. And so that uh, is the best thing that ever happened to me. Here again, had that not happened, that horrendous back injury, you and I would not be speaking at this moment. Right. <laughs> That's why it's important to remember moments like this when you're so happy and joyous. You're like, wow, everything led to this moment. Yeah. That means all the things that you perceived as bad too. So that means going forward, you got to remember. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It is, it's tough to stay conscious of those sometimes. Well, sometimes it can temporarily take you over. But I would just take, take you back to what I, we were talking about a little bit earlier. And that's the ability to discover and then to master your innate ability to take your fears and limitations and whatever it is that's been stopping you and transform them into right. very powerful and very purposeful life enhancing guidance systems. Right. And so another way of saying that is, is that you are now being guided from within, from your higher self within, you are connected to source, connected to all that is. And when you're connected to source, you have access to infinite intelligence moving through you. And to be able to heal yourself from a crippling back injury, that's child's play in universal terms. Uh, the body is meant to be totally healthy. And uh, it's just, why, why, why is for many people, for most people probably the body less than totally healthy? Well, it just here again goes back to polarity consciousness and all the judgments that we make. And anytime, here's the deal to just, you know, take a bit of more of a deep dive into this. Anytime you and I judge somebody or something, you know, you get into an argument and, and, and you know, it's usually at some point kind of like heated, you know, here's the body language of, of a heated argument, obviously. <laughs> and so, you know, what it is, is that I'm right and you're wrong. And then you're, you're really bad and terrible and awful for, and like, and all of that. 
And so there's the conceptual thing. Obviously, I'm right and you're wrong. That's the concept. And it ties into our belief system, subconsciously held and all of that stuff. And uh, we think we need to defend ourselves. And what, uh, what is immediately and instantly created there is always, for every thought you and I have, an instantly created pattern of energy, a sensation or a feeling in the body. And because of the judgment, you know, the heated argument, I'm right and you're wrong, uh, the corresponding pattern of energy or the feeling can only be an unpleasant feeling. And there's all this emotional stuff that we haven't that we haven't integrated, you know, dating back to early childhood and all of that. Well, who cares? It's in the moment right now. And so you've instantly created just a huge amount of yucky feeling bad energy in your body. And because we're so conditioned to feel good, then immediately we go into suppression and we develop addictions and compulsive behavior to try and mask over the unpleasant feelings uh, uh, additionally. Well, if we don't learn how to consciously dealing with this reservoir of stuck energy, negative feeling stuck energy in the body, it's gonna start presenting itself in totally less than desirable ways. Mm -hmm. uh, not only do we get triggered and, and create many more incidences where an I'm right, you're wrong type thing, not realizing that it's just the same old repetitive nonsense, just the same old recording replaying itself, uh, but also uh, this is the source of all illness and all disease without exception. So how did I injure my back? All that unprocessed emotional stuff from childhood. It started ganging up on me in ways that uh, let me know for certain that I'd better learn there's a conscious alternative or my life is not worth living. Um, so I want to, I'm really glad that she talked about that because I want to use that to segue into the last thing that I wanted to talk to you about today. Um, obviously, when I scheduled this podcast, I did not know that the country would be erupted into total chaos yeah. and protests and riots. But um, I wanted to talk to you about like fear-based consciousness and um, how you got out of those because you used to be, um, for lack of a better term, obsessed with uh, these earth change prophecies. Yeah, um, for sure. I, I myself used to, when I first got into spirituality, it was because I was, I was studying um, conspiracy theories. Well, ultimately I got to the point with the conspiracy theories that was like, wait, 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 if this was true, why would they let me have this knowledge? The truth is somewhere in the middle. All of this seems to be an attack on my consciousness. I'm involved in spiritual warfare. They're trying to keep me from reaching Christ consciousness. Oh, without question, without question. Uh, the, the best way to, to control, and if, you, if you're the cabal, the Illuminati, the deep state, whatever the heck you want to call them, they've been in control of the planet and they're very dark force entities. They've been in control for a long, long time, but their time is up right now and they know that. Uh, there, uh, maybe you've heard of it. There is, uh, we, we have, well, there's the technology that you and I are allowed to see, and then there's the real stuff that's been hidden behind the wraps for a long, long time. Uh, so far advanced from from what we know, you know, people who don't know would be amazed. What the stuff there the is, Bob Lazar talked about. Well, yeah, and many others too. But there is one technology called uh, a Project Looking Glass, which uh, allows you to see into the future. 
and so there, uh, uh, beginning in 2012, and 2012 was, was really a key year, uh, there is only really one timeline. And the, the timeline is, is that planet Earth moves into the light. It goes through ascension. And the only question is how many people are going to make it through? Nothing to worry about. But uh, 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 the Cabal knows this. They have Project Looking Glass too. Uh, and so they know that they are doomed and there's nothing they can do about it. But that doesn't mean they're going to go down quietly. It doesn't mean they're not going to go down without a fight. So this COVID-19 nonsense, it is a pandemic, a scandemic. And to keep you very much immersed in fear, be afraid, be very afraid. Don't forget to wear your mask. Don't forget to social distance. And don't forget the second wave that's going to be coming this fall. Be very afraid. But that's losing its steam. Many states are opening up right now. Mm -hmm. And so what's the next? Well, hey, let's create a race war. Yep, let's get a few thing. agent provocateurs out there and we'll take what otherwise would be a peaceful protest. And we can very quickly turn it into a riot. Hey, I mean, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's age old stuff. They've been yeah, like Operation that. Northwoods and things yeah. like that page out of their playbook that that you know they've used many many times before but my point being is that uh is that uh here again the darkness the, it gets exposed to the light and it gets transmuted into its into itself what they're doing is they're they're using up all of their chips they are exposing themselves every time they play their hand like this this big time stuff you know 25 30 years ago talking about the secret government you know people thought i was nuts now everybody knows who i'm talking about at least in my circles right you know, and i write books about it <laughs> everyone in my circle knows who you're talking about too and even if you don't yeah. necessarily believe in that concept you you know that it's a possibility but here's the thing scott every time they expose themselves the darkness is coming up to the light to be exposed to the light it only makes the light stronger Right. And so the timeline is such that that the ascension of the earth is going to happen. Everything that I said in my book about about the ascension, it's it's come back to me. It's been confirmed to me in so many different ways from so many different sources that I never even knew existed at the time that I first wrote that book. Uh, the most likely timeline would be about 2029 to maybe 2030, although it could happen today, it could happen tomorrow. And the only question is how many people are going to go through. So you've heard about this thing called earth changes. And as you rightly point out, there was a point in my past where I was definitely, to say the least, concerned about earth changes because I didn't have the full picture. But the full picture is, is that there's th this thing called karma. And enough people on the planet who are stuck in unconsciousness and stuck into fear mode and polarity consciousness, they create just as we create uh, in our own bodies as a result of trying to suppress these unpleasant feelings rather than learning how to consciously integrate them to, to, to allow the energy to move again, to integrate the energy, trying to keep it suppressed that starts coming out in very unpleasant ways, you know, like, like arthritis, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and it's more, well, that's pretty advanced right there, but it's the source of all illness and all disease, yeah. I will submit. But the same is true on a global scale. Mother Earth is alive. She is a conscious being. And if enough people try and keep their fears, you know, are continually at the effect of them, then uh, Mother Earth is going to be impacted too. And this is what earth changes are all about. 
there is a scenario. Uh, I don't know if we're going to make it or not, but I'm doing everything I can to promote it, where where we just we just get it, and critical mass is created. And I talk about creating critical mass in my book, where if we get it, then we're going to go through ascension as though we're perhaps a million years advanced from what we are right now. So there is that possibility. But don't worry, everybody's going to be okay, because the, the people who are ready, they will go through ascension into the fourth dimension where life is many, 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 many times better than even your greatest moments here in third density. Uh, those who do not, who are not ready to go through ascension, they will be transported to another third dimensional planet where they will go through how many lifetimes they need to in order to learn their lessons. So they too eventually will go through ascension. The only people that need to worry about it are the, you know, without mentioning names, but if I were, I would perhaps throw out names like Rockefeller, or George Soros and Rothschild and you know, stuff like that. The really bad people, the pedophiles, yeah. the ones who are killing and murdering little children and then drinking their blood and causing all the world wars and all the chaos that we see, these people are not gonna be, they're not gonna make it. They're yeah. gonna be crispy critters. I'm sorry, yeah. it's karma, that's the way it goes. It's almost like they're they're knowing they're knowingly serving the demiurge just to have corporeal pleasure. Satanic, Luciferian, all the way, and and, and it's is a, a conscious choice that they've made, and they will pay the price for it. Uh, they uh, and then and then when they do come back through reincarnation, they're going to have to go through many many lifetimes where they will be the recipients of the torture in the chaos and the mayhem that they laid upon their victims in this yeah. lifetime. It's, so, it's so, really in the final analysis, a, a not a, it's downright stupid. So Bob, what advice do you have for people like myself, people that are protesting, people that are on the other side of the baton and the boot, and even, even people who are police officers who don't have a full understanding of what's really going on in this world. What's, What's a piece of advice that you can give everybody to walk away from? You know, well, if, if um, you were on Fox News right now, what would you say? <laughs> Fox News. <laughs> well, that's not going to happen. So. <laughs> so, well, I mean, it's to, 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 to give a simple answer, I'm not so sure I can, but, you know, just listen to this podcast that we've, uh, uh, or, 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 or read my book. I, I go through all of it right there. I mean, the greater truth, Scott, is that you and I are all one, whether we know it or not. And right. the opportunity is to wake up and to step into your true nature, to, to, to just let go of the false notion that we are our mind and that, uh, and that there's good and evil consciousness. And right. to, and to, I'm not talking about positive thinking either. I'm talking about integrating your way into unity. There's a right. huge, huge difference. Step into Trans your shadow. Transmuting the energy, transmuting, say it a little bit differently. Uh, there's parts of us, and definitely in the, in the unaware state, parts of us that we consider to be good and acceptable, and we'll present that to, to, uh, ourselves and to others in the world. Yet there are parts of us that we are convinced are not contributing to our sense of well-being in any way. And we try and push that away from us. 
unity is not positive thinking. It's expanding to include the darkness within and right. doing it in a way that you've integrated, that you've transmuted that energy, that dark energy, that chaotic energy into light. And so now you've expanded to include all parts of yourself and you're doing it in a unified way. And that is not positive thinking. There's a huge difference, huge, huge difference. That's important. That, that's important to uh, clarify, I think. Fundamentally, yeah. Um, I would love to have you on again, Bob, to talk more about um, uh, words, word, words are magic and perception. Um, you being a fan of Alan Watts, I think it's really important to talk about etymology <laughs> and, and uh, the origin of words. That's something he talks about a lot in his, his lectures. Um, yeah. How can people find your workshops and your books? Well, first of all, Scott, thank you very much for inviting me this time. And I'll come back anytime you want. Uh, Wonderful. Thank you for coming and doing this. Come back tomorrow if you want. Okay. <laughs> How do people get a hold of me? Well, just go to my website, uh, bobfrizzell.com. And I guess you need to know how to spell my name. So I don't know. Can, can you see this, my name, how to spell I, it? You got to hold it up higher. Uh, how are we doing here? Boom. That's perfect. Bob, Bob yeah. Frizzell. Yeah, so it's spelled F-R-I-S-S-E-L-L, -L, two S's and two L's. Go to bobfrizzell.com and uh, enjoy the show. <laughs> Great. I, I say enjoy the trip. That's, uh, that's what I say. Maybe All that's right. something else we can talk about in the next podcast is uh, psychedelic experiences. We could. <laughs> okay bob you have a great night sir you stay safe out there well, thank you so much for doing thank this. thank you very much and you oh, have a great great evening yourself also before you go i would recommend to you um this gentleman andrew weiss yeah. dr andrew weiss self-healing um he was on the joe rogan experience and he talked a lot about the placebo effect and how you can heal yourself with your mind um but man if you and that guy compare to contrasted notes maybe you could make a difference in the world uh -huh, well, maybe so. And I've often thought many times, in fact, I've thought how much fun it would be to get together with uh, Eckhart Tolle for an afternoon. I would give him a breath alchemy session because that's as, as great as his work is, that's his missing link. That's uh, amazing. I'd like to see that happen. That was a stupid thing to say. I'm sorry, Eckhart. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I, I hope he's listening. <laughs> I, I totally honor you and respect your work, Eckhart. And there's this one thing I would like to show you. <laughs> yeah, right, right. We have a lot to learn from each other. I think that's important. None of us yeah. has all the answers. That's know? for sure. Yeah. Without without Drinvalo, you wouldn't be where you are. And without you, I wouldn't be where I am. Oh, I learned so much from Drinvalo and, uh, and, uh, and, and other great teachers in my yeah. life. We stand on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. Very grateful for every moment. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very grateful for this podcast. Bob, you have a wonderful night, sir. Oh, you too. And I'll send you these links uh, once everything's up. That's great. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you, Bob.